0: I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where EarnIn comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. When you download the Earnin app, type in "clutter under podcast." When you sign up, it'll really help out the show. That's clutter under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com/tos for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. You're listening to "Wanna Be Minimalist" with Deanna Yates, episode number 151. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Krista St. Germain about dealing with sentimental clutter. Krista unexpectedly lost her husband in 2016, and we chat today about how she worked through letting go of his items. If you've struggled with sentimental items and clutter in the past, well, then you need to listen to today's conversation. Well, hello again, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. If this is your first time here, well, then welcome to the show. I am truly honored to have you here. I hope you like what you hear and you come back for more. On today's show, I'm chatting with Krista St. Germain about our toughest clutter, the sentimental stuff that we all struggle to let go of. This is one area where I get a ton of questions from you, my listeners and my followers on social media. It is definitely one area that we all deal with. We all have this, these emotional items that we hold onto and we cherish. However, I know that there are lots of people who listen to this show and wish they could let it go. So this episode is here to show you that it is possible. My guest today is Krista St. Germain. She is a master certified life coach, grief expert, widow, mom, and host of the Widowed Mom podcast. When her husband was killed by a drunk driver in 2016, Krista's life was completely and unexpectedly flipped upside down. After therapy helped her unfurl from the fetal position, Krista discovered life coaching, post-traumatic growth, and learned the tools she needed to move forward and create a future she could get excited about. Now she coaches and teaches other widows so they can love life again too. She is here to tell us about her journey of letting go of her late husband's belongings, and the information we cover today is truly life-changing. I know you are going to get a lot out of today's episode. So make sure you listen, tag this one, subscribe, come back and listen again. There are so many truth bombs that she drops. It's great. But before we dive in, I would love to ask you to leave a rating or a review for this show. You can do it right now in the app that you are using to listen to this episode. And if you are listening on Apple, you can even leave me a review. And that is what Torah Anytime did this week. And here is what they said, quote, so much perspective and joy, five stars. I enjoy this podcast so much the practical minimalism as a mother and all the other related topics that are fascinating to learn about and help me be a better person. Thank you, Deanna, for this gift. End quote. Well, Dora, anytime, I am so happy that you like the show, and I appreciate you taking the time to let me know. And you listening can do that too. Just head to the review section in your app and leave me a rating. And if you're an Apple, leave me a review. And now let's get back to this episode. One more thing to mention. So if you do want to get the show notes, head on over to my website, wannabeclutterfree.com slash 151 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Krista's website and all of her resources. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 151. And now let's get to our conversation. Hi, Krista. Welcome to Wannabe Minimalist. How are you doing today?
1: I am amazing and I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, I am really excited that you are here. I think this topic is going to be very relevant to our listeners, and I think they're going to get a lot of information of it, so I'm looking forward to it. But before we jump in, why don't you tell us about yourself and what led you on this journey to a life with
1: less clutter? Yeah, so I am a master certified coach, and I work specifically with widowed moms, and never something I ever planned to do, right? Isn't it? Amazing how life takes you exactly where you didn't think you would go, right? So yeah. when I was 40, I was coming home from a trip with my husband. It was my second husband. My first marriage went down in flames. And second husband was the redemption story, right? Like proof that you could be treated how you wanted to be treated and it could be as good as you wanted it to be. And we were coming home from a trip and we had driven separately. I had a flat tire. I pulled over on the side of the interstate and... We had AAA, but being the stubborn, stubborn man that he was, right, he did not want to wait on AAA. Baby, let's just, let me just change the tire. We'll get home faster if I just change the tire. And so I was standing on the side of the road and I was texting my daughter, who was 12 at the time, to tell her that we would be a little bit late because of the tire. And he was trying to get into my trunk. He had parked behind me and he was trying to get access to the spare tire in my trunk about 5.30 on a Sunday, daylight, right? And a driver who we later found out had meth and alcohol in his system, did not see our hazard lights, did not brake, just ran right into the back of Hugo's car and trapped him in between his car and my car. And what really, truly felt like the perfect life for me, right, with like the best future ever, was just ripped out from under me in less than 24 hours. He died. And so thankfully, I had a good therapist from my divorce prior, like way back when. And so I called her and she helped me get through that what I I now know is early acute grief, right? Where you your whole world feels like it exploded and you don't even know what to do with yourself. And you're for me, I was very hazy and just a mess. She helped me get through that. But what I found was that later when I got to a point where I was functioning again and I was back to work and people were telling me, oh, you you're doing so great and you're so strong, right? And I could see why they thought that. Because I was functioning. But on the inside, I did not feel strong. I did not like the way that I felt. I felt empty. I felt hollow. I felt robotic. I, like, believed that my best days were probably behind me. I didn't really know that was optional at the time. I really did think that was true. And I couldn't find resources at that point. Right? Because... What people usually experience in grief is like, well, let's just get them back to functioning as opposed to what I now know is possible, which is post-traumatic growth. Like it actually is possible to love your life again, even after something traumatic happens. And so that kind of started me into coaching and coaching tools and trying to figure it out for myself. And at a point when I did figure more of it out for myself, I decided I really wanted to share that with other people. So Hugo died in 2016. And I started coaching shortly thereafter, right? 2017, actually, I certified. And then I just decided um, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I quit my corporate job. And that's what I do now is just help widows specifically, widowed moms, right? Mm. Help them figure out how to love life again. Not just tolerate it, not just go through the motions, not just get back to a new normal, which I hate that phrase, (laughs) but actually really create something that they love because that's possible for everybody. Well,
0: I mean, I am so sorry for your loss. And yeah, like you said, this is never a place you ever imagined in your life you would be. And so not that I'm hoping that part of the story is not relevant for listeners, because I would obviously never wish that on anybody. But you do talk about how one of the things that you have dealt with is being able to let go of sentimental items and and obviously Mm -hmm. that is a complete journey in and of itself and I know that a lot of my listeners do struggle with letting go of things that they have strong attachments to and so obviously you've had one of the hardest instances of being able to let go of something that you know you're never going to see that person again so can you talk us through how you even started that process
1: yeah I started really gradually <clears throat> and I coach people on this all the time, too, so I see how much harder we make it when we have rules about how long we should keep things or what it means if we keep things or whatever we put unnecessary mm-hmm. pressure on ourselves to keep things that maybe we don't want to or deal with things when maybe we aren't ready. and so thankfully, I didn't do that like i I never really put pressure on myself to do it. I remember I used to keep a journal, and every day I would write to my husband in the journal. it was just a way for me to process what had happened and so I have some of this documented, right? I went back and looked through the journal and it was about for me it was about 3 months in mm-hmm. that I actually decided I wanted to start dealing with some of the stuff. And so I started I just had a day where my kids weren't home and I remember thinking, "Okay, I feel like this is I'm ready. I'm ready to tackle some of this." And so I started in the closet and I started with the things that had the least sentimental attachments possible. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason when it came to his clothes, pants, didn't have a lot of attachment. It was easy for me to let go of pants. Most of his suits were easy for me to let go of and most of his shoes. So that's where I started, right? And I just imagined, okay, I've got this closet full of stuff and somebody out there could probably really use these items. Which ones do I feel like it's okay for me to let go of? Hugo was infamously known for wearing plaid. He had a lot of plaid shirts. So the plaid was really hard for me to let go of. Right. And so I didn't force myself to let go of it. I kept the plaid. So I just made the first sweep of all right, I can I this item doesn't have a lot of attachment to me. I think somebody else could use it more than my closet can use it. And so I started there. Right. And I just gradually did it that way. I never forced myself to do it. And I would notice sometimes that there would be like an item in my awareness where I would walk by it several times and I could start to tell that I was having this feeling of like maybe it's time. Maybe it's time, you know, to let go of that thing. And I just kept following that. And that's what I've done the whole time. Yeah. Really. Just trusting. Yeah. Your instinct. And I
0: love how you, yeah, started and you said like, okay. Yeah. Maybe pants I can let go of. And that makes sense. I think because that's not, I'm thinking like when you hug someone, right? In Mm -hmm. their pants, right? Yeah. You're hugging their upper body. And so it would make sense that the shirts and the things that you had touched and you felt as part of them would be that kind of item that was harder to get rid of. Yeah. Shoes are you wear them, they're very utilitarian. You they're out on the Yeah. And it was interesting,
1: like some shoes were really easy to get rid mm. of. Running shoes, the, the like the most recent pair of running shoes that he wore and the most recent pair of Doc Martens that he wore hmm. were hard for me to yeah. they f- I felt an attachment to those. I associated him more with those items than some of the other ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say, does it feel like that was because it felt like who he was, right? Like he was maybe his most self when he was wearing these items. Like you were saying, the plaid was very
2: Yeah. And I think I just had his more
1: memories of him yeah. in those items and just yeah, more moments. And then there were other items that I really didn't even, they just felt a little more sterile and less like him to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you said the plaid was hard. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, was that one of the hardest things? And then how did you eventually come to terms with letting go? Yeah.
1: Again, I just did it super gradually. I think the plaid probably was the hardest. It was what I associated most with him. But I would say each little category of items had their hard thing, like right pajamas, Some of them were easy to let go, but then some of them I wore, right? Or my kids wanted. Or so there wasn't like one category that was universally easy. It's like every category had its own easier spots and more challenging spots.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. So how have you been able to hold on to the memories? Did you hold on to Mm -hmm. some of this stuff? Did you create memory books or how were some of those things you were able to hold on to those memories, but let go of that stuff? And then do you
1: have any suggestions that maybe we haven't heard before? Yes. I'm sure this is not news to your listeners, but I think it's important to remember first that the memory doesn't live in the item, right? The, it seems like the emotional connection is because of the item, but really the emotional connection and the memories that we experience are internal, which means we don't have to worry about them being associated with the item, right? right. So we actually can let them go. So yes, I did a lot of writing, things that I wanted to remember. In hindsight, I wish I had remembered more, actually ended up ultimately creating a journal that people could use for that purpose, because I can now see where I wish I would have spent a little more time in certain places. Saving memories, I took a lot of pictures. And then, yeah, I did keep, all I wouldn't say a lot of items, but I kept the items that felt right for me to keep until they didn't. And so I still have some things, most mostly Really only things that really had a lot of memory to me or that I wanted to save for my kids. Things like that. But documenting was huge. Taking pictures was big. Interesting. Spending time with the items, I think, also helped in some cases. And there were some things that you uncover that you didn't really have any memories of and maybe you didn't even know about because you're not completely paying attention to your partner's stuff. Right? So it was also an opportunity that to get to know him a little bit more in some ways. Like things that came from, yeah, things that came from his childhood that I had never really sorted through or paperwork, things like that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So we lost my father-in-law to melanoma about 12 years Mm -hmm. ago. And one thing that my mother-in-law did that I really love was he was known for T-shirts, right? Every time Mm -hmm. they would go on a trip, he would buy a T-shirt. That was his souvenir. That was his memento of the time. And so she made T-shirt quilts for each of her boys. He two boys and made t-shirt quilts for them. And it's so nice because they were very dedicated to each. She made sure she picked shirts that we went to school, like where we went to college, like we have the college shirts and you know the other ones for her other son, right? So they were very mm-hmm. special to where they had been in different life moments. And they both did cross country and track and he was really integral in that part of their life. Like he was always there volunteering. And so it was really nice having those memories put into a yeah. quilt. And now we still even use it. Like if we're having a bad day, it's like go get a hug from dad kind of a thing. And so mm-hmm. it's just really nice to have that kind of a thing. Did yeah. you do anything like that
1: or had mm-hmm. any... I kept thinking that with the plaid shirts, mm-hmm. I would have a quilt made. And then it just, it, I just never did. And then at a certain point, I didn't feel the need anymore. I get that. And so I just let almost all of them go. And I've yeah. got still got a few pieces of clothing, but there are more things that my daughter likes to wear mm-hmm. or things that I would actually wear which sounds strange, but, and also I love, I've had a lot of clients do teddy bears as well Mm, for their kids too, out of t-shirts and clothing and things like that, or ties. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, I know you also talk a lot about not judging ourselves for Mm. our decisions, right? And when we let things go. So being able to let things go without that judgment, how are you able to not be judgmental with yourself? What are some of those tips? This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. But this isn't just any skincare product. It's a revolution in how we treat our skin, using the power of nature to heal. That's because Active Skin Repair is all about a little molecule called hypochlorous acid. This isn't your average ingredient. It actually mimics our body's natural immune response, working wonders to cleanse, soothe the irritation, reduce inflammation, and support the healing process. The best part is there is no sting when you apply it. We've used it in our home on everything from kitchen burns to those pesky cuts and scrapes my kiddo seems to get almost every other day. And let me tell you, the peace of mind knowing that I'm applying something non-toxic and natural yet medically graded is unbeatable. Whether it's a sunburn, rash, mosquito bite, or even more chronic skin issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered, and everyone in your family can use it because it's safe for all skin types and all ages. With over half a million happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews, the results speak for themselves. And because you're part of our podcast family, we've got an exclusive offer for you. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and use the code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Again, that's activeskinrepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Trust me, your skin and your kids will thank you.
3: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood.
2: Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom.
3: (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Yeah, I see this as something that holds people back a lot from getting rid of things because we worry that... We worry that we're going to regret it. We worry that we're going to be mean to ourselves. And in the moment when we're worrying, we don't really realize that it's optional, right? We don't really realize that we don't actually have to judge ourselves. We don't actually have to think thoughts that create regret. And so what I find is necessary is a separation, a separation of, okay, in the future, if a judgmental thought appears in my mind, which it probably will because I'm a human, that mm-hmm. thought is not who I am, right? There's me and I'm the thinker of my thoughts. And then there are thoughts that appear in my mind. And I'm human, which means I have 10 to 60 plus thousand in a day. So when the thought appears, I know just because it shows up doesn't mean I have to listen to it. I can actually decide in advance what I want to think when that judgmental thought shows up and have my own back right? I can pivot my mind towards something intentional that I want to think as opposed to just believing the judgmental thought that shows up there. So it's that diffusion, right? We have all of these cognitions, thoughts, sentences, stories, whatever word that we like, but none of them really are true unless we keep thinking them and believing them and finding evidence for them. So if we notice a mean thought, and we know that it is not the truth of who we are. We notice that, oh, that's like my inner critic or whatever. It's just a sentence in my mind. You shouldn't have gotten rid of that thing. We can pivot our mind toward, no, actually, you made the best decision you could with what you knew at the time, right? We don't have to be mean. Mm-hmm. But if we're always in our thoughts and thinking them, it's really difficult to get leverage over them and choose new ones.
0: What if somebody does regret getting rid of something? What do you, yeah?
1: What, how do you also regret that? is not a problem. Okay. Right. Like, I think we have options. So I think we are taught that feelings are problems that we need to solve. Okay. And when we realize they're just experiences that we need to allow. Right. They're a valuable part of being human. And we start practicing the skill of allowance and we start realizing that, oh, actually, most feelings pass within about a minute and a half. If I just let them. Right. If I just stop resisting them and stop telling myself that they shouldn't be there or I need to make them go away and I just notice what they feel like in my body. Right. Then it passes, it digests. My body does what it was designed to do. And so regret is not a problem for me to solve. Yes, it is caused by a thought in my mind. Also, it's not something that I have to get all worked up over. I can just let it flow through and move on.
0: Okay. All right. I can hear people listening going, Okay, that sounds great, but I'm terrified.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so no.
0: What do you yeah, how did how do you overcome that first step of like Yeah. Just that fear of letting Mm -hmm. go and then facing that first moment of
1: of regret. Like, what do you
0: what do you normally tell people when they come to you with that that
1: idea? Yeah, it's totally normal to be afraid of feelings, right? Because think about it. I don't know what you were taught, but I can tell you (laughs) I was taught that if you want to feel bad, go to your room. If you want to cry, I'll give you something to cry about feelings for something to be avoided. Plus, we're all walking around with really old software in our mind, right, that associates negative emotion with a risk to our survival. So it's Mm -hmm. no wonder we don't want to experience regret or any other emotion that we would classify as quote unquote negative, right? We're literally designed not to, and nobody gave us the skills to. So when we find ourselves here, like have some self-compassion. Of course, I don't want to feel regret. Right. My right. think thinks it's a right. really yeah. big problem. And nobody ever really taught me how to allow it. And so when we normalize it, then I teach a three step process with the acronym NOW in OW. So it's like name it. That's the N, right? This is regret, right? Okay. We give it a label and then open up to it, which is the exact opposite of what we have been programmed and patterned to do. Right. And by open up, I mean, What if we're willing to let it be with us? What if we drop our shoulders? What if we take a breath in? What if we invite whatever that feeling is, regret or whatever it is, to actually be with us so that we can get curious about it? So name and open. And then witness. We go to our body and we watch it. What is it actually like when it's in our body, right? And we can do this with emotions that don't freak us out so much in the beginning so that we don't have to go straight from like zero to (laughs) 120, right? But then we go, oh, wait, what is regret? I think it's like a, it's different for everybody. It's like a twinge in my belly and it feels like a little twisting Hmm. maybe. Is it small? Is it big? Is it fast? Is it slow? Like, what does it make me want to do? Where does it travel in my body? What happens when instead of pushing it away and trying to get away from it, I just name it and open up to it and witness what it actually is like? Because then what I find is it's not as bad as I thought. Mm -hmm. And it passes faster than I imagined. Right. Right? It's like we just let it flow through and then little experiences like that, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And through lived experience, we start to gain confidence that, oh, I can actually let a feeling like regret flow through me. Yeah. It doesn't it can't actually hurt me.
0: Interesting. Right. Okay, I like that part. Right. There's not a physical. I mean, you might have a physical reaction to it, but right. You're not in physical harm from this thing. I think that's really interesting to look at it from that perspective of we haven't been taught how to deal with these emotions. And often it's like that you make a mountain out of a molehill type of a thing, right? You think it's going to be this really big thing until you are faced with it and you you don't realize how strong you are and that you are able to face whatever that is that's coming at you. So yeah, yeah build up in our that. brain
1: is so okay. much worse than the actual emotion itself,
0: right? yeah, for sure. and I love that acronym, so thank you. that's really helpful. Yeah. I think people are gonna really love being able to take that and put that into action. so yeah, appreciate that. So when you were going through all these things, did you get pushback from others in your life about getting rid of some things, and then how did you handle that?
1: Most people were actually really supportive with me. I saved quite a few things for so Hugo had. son before we were together. And so I saved a lot of things for his son. He joined the Marines shortly after Hugo died. And so he was away. And so I did save a lot of things for him that most of them later he didn't even end up wanting. But I was really worried that if I didn't save things at the time, it would be unfair to him to not give him the chance to go through those things himself. So I was worried about pushback. Never really happened. No, but for the most part, I think the special unicorn there. Because mm-hmm. so many of my clients yeah. do get a lot of pushback or people are fighting over things or really judging them for their decisions about what they choose to do with their partner's things, right? Mm-hmm. I got lucky. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's nice. So
0: I can see I can see it happening where like something's inherited, right? And it gets passed down to the child. Mm-hmm. And in this case, probably a full-fledged adult, but mm-hmm. the adult child. And yeah. so you're in that sandwich, right? So you've got the older generation, you've got your kids. And you're thinking, I don't really want this stuff, but you feel the guilt of it. Do you have any ideas for how people can walk through that guilt of, but my mom or mother in law or someone, Mm -hmm. great aunt, someone will be mad if I get rid of this thing? Do you have any tips for walking through that guilt?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we can involve people in those decisions, right? We can say, okay, here are the things I don't want. And who are the people who might actually be interested in those items and let them choose, right? Hey, I've decided that these things are leaving my house by X date. Would you like to come over? Right. Or would you like me to send you pictures if you live far away so you can decide if you would like any of them? But I've chosen that I'm ready to I'm ready to release them Mm -hmm. and then give people an option. Yeah. Yeah. And your kids are the same. Right. Sometimes I think I've seen a lot of moms imagine that their children are very attached to items that their children are not attached to. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes involving them in the process will show you, oh, they don't actually care so much about this thing that I think they care about. And maybe they really do care about this thing that I didn't think they cared about. That's the other flip side that I find so interesting
0: because that happens a lot. And also I tell moms that if your child is ready to part with something and you want to second guess them, then it becomes Mm -hmm. your thing. Mm -hmm. Like if they're ready to get rid of it and you're like, are you sure? You're like, oh, great. Am I Mm -hmm. sure?
1: Yeah. And then yeah. it becomes
0: your thing and you take hold of it. I love and that. And don't make them second guess their decision because they need to learn how to make their own decisions. So good. And I, yeah. So that one, I think, is fascinating because we've had that. I've had that in my own life where I've been like, oh, what but I, I thought I wasn't ready for you to get let go of that. And so mm-hmm. then I take it, right? Because then I can process when I'm ready to let go of it. Mm-hmm. And then my daughter doesn't have to worry about that whole psychological baggage of like, oh, God, yeah. but I
1: feel Know, so. Right. Yeah. That just happened with my son last week. He was putting mm. stuff together for Goodwill and I'm like, Nuh-uh. I'm not ready to part with this little pillow that you used when you were two. Aww. But you know, I know, right? But right. He's,
0: it's totally over it. But right, but I had a moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, we each have a sentimental bin in the garage. So we each have our it. own mm-hmm. bin. No questions asked. We get to keep whatever we want in there. And when mm. the bin is full, then we have to let stuff go. Now, our daughter is only nine. So her bin is still a yes. quarter of the way full. Our bins are not quite full. There's still room for extra stuff if we don't put stuff in there. But, you know, I can see if there's a big thing, it's we're going to have to make some decisions. And so, yeah, that would be something like we would put in our sentimental bin. That's something we've done love in it. our home. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So how can people then guard themselves against these opinions of other people? Like, let's talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit where you have, I mean, I've got, I was just talking with a neighbor the other day, and she comes from a family where there's a lot of guilt that mm. comes with opinions of family members and things like that. So do you have any tips for people to be able to guard themselves, build up their own resources for themselves to say like, nope, this is what I want. I'm standing my ground. How can people walk through that? Because yeah, that's a tricky
1: one. It might sound a little counterintuitive, but it's, even the idea, as you say it, of guarding themselves, like I'm feeling like the need to defend. I'm feeling mm-hmm. like my shoulders are raising just a little bit. I'm thinking of like people as yeah. powerful and I've got to push them away or their opinions. And so. Like, what if it's it it could be not about guarding, it could just be about allowing people to have opinions, right, and not giving them the weight, like letting their opinions be their opinions without needing them to change because people are going to have opinions, <laughs> Right. And there really isn't anything we can do to change them. Yeah. And pretty much when we think they need to change, it's a super frustrating experience for us because then we try to we spend our effort and energy trying to change something that we actually can't because it exists in these other people's minds. So to me, like it's way more relaxing to be like, you know what? It's totally okay if that person thinks I did it wrong. It's totally Mm. okay if that person thinks that I'm doing it wrong or I should be doing it differently or I shouldn't have gotten rid of that item or I should have whatever totally okay. I can see where they're coming from. It makes so much sense why they might think that and not a problem. Right. No a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like I envision like yeah. those big, those like human-sized hamster wheels that you can like run around oh, in at yeah, fairs. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I envision it like like that, right? Like I'm in my own little hamster wheel, my little gerbil ball, and my emotional experience is in that, right? And like other people are in theirs. And so they might have thoughts that I did it terribly wrong and they might feeling, be feeling angry with me, right? Or they might be feeling disappointed in me because of their stories about my life and my choices. And also, I don't have to take any of that on, right? They can have it and I can watch them have it and I don't have to believe any of it because I am choosing what I want to think about myself and my life and my choices. So let them be disappointed.
0: Let them be disappointed right there. I mean,
1: who <laughs> do we want to be disappointed, them or right, us? Exactly.
0: Yep. Right. You have to live with yourself a heck of a lot longer yeah. And you're living with that other person. Yeah. And so you need to answer to yourself. I agree. Yeah, not,
1: if they feel disappointed, it is not your fault. It is not because of your choices. It is not because of you. It is because of something going on in their own internal experience. And you don't need to own it. And, mm-hmm. and I still keep learning that lesson over and over. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's not something I've perfected, but <laughs> yeah, life yeah, is better well, that
0: way. Life gives us lots of opportunities to test our theories. <laughs> so,
1: so true.
0: I have found that time and time again, Yep, (laughs) but it's always great because it is a learning experience and life is a learning experience. And like you said, it's just gonna, it's gonna throw you things you didn't know were coming your way.
1: Almost the whole time.
0: Almost the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So you were mentioning your child is a little bit older now. How have you dealt with some of the transitions between the different stages of life as you've gone through those different stages. Have there been different challenges with stuff that you've seen? Like like my daughter's only nine, so we haven't necessarily gotten to some of these later stages. And I'd love to just hear your opinions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm in that interesting place with my 19 year old where she's away at school, but she still technically lives at home. Okay. So where do we even start? I would say just generally speaking, I love my parents, my children's grandparents, and also they love stuff and they have loved giving us lots of stuff since the dawn of time. So the navigating of said stuff, be it from holidays or garage sales, or like for some of my family members, I think giving stuff is like their love language. Like, let me give you stuff. And at a point in time where, especially early on in my life, where we didn't have a lot of money, we were just really grateful to get that stuff, right? But then mm-hmm. at a point, it I remember times where it just became like too much. Like we, we didn't need all that stuff. My kids didn't need all that stuff. So navigating that was interesting, right? One of the things that we used to do when my kids were little is we would take, we would try to rotate their toys because it seemed mm-hmm. to be out of sight, out of mind. Right. So we would put things in the garage. We had tubs in the garage and we would take stuff and kind of put it out of their reach and then bring it back into rotation. And sometimes we would let them help decide what was leaving their room. You know, when new stuff came in, we'd try to put old stuff in the garage or an equivalent amount of stuff and let them make those choices. And it seemed to be easier for them because they knew. If it was just going in the garage, it felt like it was somehow safe. And then they would forget about it long enough. that kind of lose their emotional attachment to it. And then when we went through it again, it was easier for them to part with because they weren't necessarily playing with it all the time. So that for sure we did. Yeah, I would just always give my kids permission to put stuff in the garage. And then also we would go through and I would ask them, like, "What, what could you bless another family with? Right. What would you like to give another child that you aren't playing with anymore. And that seemed to be something that resonated with them because it felt like something they got to choose to do and could feel good about doing as opposed to, I'm, go- I'm coming in and taking your stuff, so which stuff am I taking? I was giving kind of them the power and the ball of like, what do you want to do with this stuff?
2: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values?
4: Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.
0: Right, and gifting it away versus Mm -hmm. just losing it to the abyss
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah my my fifteen year old he's just did a, another major purge in his room last week, and he also loves selling stuff online. He's to the point where that's fun mm. for him to go yeah. onto Facebook marketplace and like yesterday somebody showed up and he sold a keyboard and a mouse, right an old one, so also empowering him to be able to take his stuff and make money with it if he wants to w- well supervised by me, of course, sure. I don't random strangers aren't coming into my house <laughs> but yeah. Right. Keeps him with less stuff and more of what he wants, which is money.
0: Sure. Now yeah. that stage. <laughs> yeah. Right. It will eventually switch. I do keep that in the back of my mind. Like right now, it's just it's still toys, a few knickknacky things, but soon mm-hmm. it's going to be clothes and then it's going to be money and the electronics and the more expensive stuff. Right. So I try to count my blessings on it. it's just mm. a smaller yeah. thing. right? Yeah. <laughs> versus the large expensive items. So which do take up less space. So we'll cross Mm -hmm. that bridge when we get there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my son's saving up to get his computer, to get a new computer. If he had spent all that money on toys, he would have had a packed room, right? Or Legos, things that he's really interested in. So for him to save up for one large purchase, streamlined, yeah, yeah, what could have come into my house. Yeah. And really good life lessons
0: too, about like just how you can, you make these choices, right? Your choices have consequences and making these decisions and mistakes and life lessons when they're younger, yeah. when the stakes are lower, which is really great. So yeah. yeah. So true, Awesome. Well, Krista, this has been wonderful. And I know people are going to want to reach out and follow you and, you know, um, obviously be great resource if they are at a point in their life where they are widowed and need some help sure. just going through. So I really appreciate
1: you coming on the show. So where can people find you? Well, podcast listeners can come to my podcast. It's called The Widowed Mom Podcast. And it is very specific. However, we have so many people that listen just because they want to learn more about grief, right? We live in a culture that doesn't understand grief. So much of what we know about grief is not actually accurate or helpful. And so I would encourage anybody who just is curious about grief or how to support someone who is grieving to come or maybe wants to learn about post-traumatic growth. So The Widowed Mom Podcast and then Krista.com, K-R-I-S-T-A is where everything else lives, right? I have all kinds of free resources and all my contact information is there. So we can for sure connect there.
0: Awesome. Well, we will have the links in the show notes for sure. So people can connect with you in case they aren't able to write anything down. But my favorite way to end each episode is with three rapid fire questions. And so the first Mm -hmm. one is,
1: what does minimalism mean to you? To me, minimalism means like loving the things that you have right? Not keeping things that you don't absolutely love or don't serve a purpose for you so that when you look around your environment, it feels good to you and you just aren't keeping stuff that doesn't feel good to you or isn't serving you. Yeah. Love it.
0: Love it. What is one of your favorite pieces of advice? It can be about grief or anything like that that you'd like to share today.
1: We've already talked about it, but really, if I could drive home to people the point that feelings aren't problems. We really don't have to solve them. And when we can just get good at letting them flow through us, things get so much easier as humans on the planet, right? And I just think a lot of us aren't taught that. And if we could learn it, we could model it for our kids. And I love the world where feelings aren't problems.
0: Feelings aren't problems. I love that advice. And that is actually, I don't know that I've ever heard that before. I mean, I've definitely heard about, obviously feelings aren't negative all feelings are just feelings. But Mm. interesting, it's not problems. It's not something for you to solve. Sorry, I'm not doing rapid fire. I'm being very (laughs) bad. But anyway, (laughs) I really like that piece of advice. So thank you. I'm getting off topic. And then the third one, we'll rapid fire this out, is what is making you happy right now or in this season of life?
1: Yes. So right now what's making me happy is the opportunity to travel a little bit more than I'm used Mm. to. I feel like with, I mean, I know COVID's been lightening up for a while now, but it's, I'm just now getting back in the travel group. So I'm going to go see my daughter in Spain next week. And then in May, I get to go to Greece for a week to spend some time with my life coach friends. And then my family's going to the Dominican Republic in the first week of June as a little family vacation. So I have all these exciting trips to look forward to. And it just feels good to like get out there and be in the world. Oh, I hear yeah. you. I just
0: went to a podcast conference a couple of weeks ago, and it was just so nice. So nice. Like I didn't even think about it. It was just so great to be a little bit back to more quote unquote normal, whatever. Right. Yeah. So awesome. Well, I wish you all the best on those trips and journeys and just enjoy. Yeah. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. All right. Cheers. So what'd you think? Were you just blown away by Krista as much as I was? Like I just learned so much and I really just enjoyed her approach to things and how she just said, we can feel the feelings and feelings aren't bad, and we can learn to live with them and process them and just let them pass through us. And so I think that was really eye-opening, especially when we're looking at sentimental clutter, and especially as we're learning from someone who has had to let go of things from somebody who she lost in her life, who she hoped to have in her life for the rest of her life. And so I just really enjoyed her perspective and her knowledge and her empathy and just everything she brought to the table today. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you would want to join in a conversation about this, I would love to have you over on the wannabe minimalist family group. I'm going to be posting about the show over there and you can join in a live conversation or just our conversation over there. Um, and we can kind of talk about this and see what resonated with you. And I would love to learn what you found the most interesting and what really resonated with you. So come on over. I'll have links for it in the show notes. Or you can just go over to Facebook and look for Wannabe Minimalist and you will find us. And as always, thank you for joining me if you made it this far. Again, I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. Your reviews make my day and it helps me be able to book more guests for the show for you to discover and learn from. It lets me know what you enjoyed and what you liked. You can leave all of that in your review and I read every single one. And special thanks again to Krista for joining us on the show today and for just being so kind and open and honest and just letting us into her life. And I really appreciate that. Remember, you can find out more about Krista by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com 151. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 151. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will see you back here next week for a solo show when I will be talking about the positive side of decluttering and how we can look at decluttering with a positive light. I think so many of us look at decluttering and it just feels so negative and just down and exhausting. And I want to look at it with a, just flip it on its head and give it a positive spin. So if that sounds of interest to you, please make sure you check back here next week. If decluttering is just like, just a task that you just don't want to do, even though you feel like you really need to do it, well, come back next week. And I really think you're going to enjoy the different spin on it. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wanna Be Minimalist. Cheers. See you next week.
3: Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired.